Dissonance Media and the Other Stories presents Step into the abyss of After the Gloaming, a gothic fiction podcast that delves into the depths of human emotion. Unyielding love, revenge, internal struggles, and restless souls await you in nine haunting episodes where dread, fear, and rare glimpses of eerie happiness linger. Dare to listen on your favourite podcatcher? After the gloaming beckons, search now, but beware, innocence will be left behind. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. These aren't the stories your mother told you. No, these are the other stories. <laughs> Today's episode of The Other Stories is Love and Lost or Never at All. Written by Thomas Joyce and narrated by Josh Curran. Holding the ring in the palm of your hand, you wonder if the politicians and tourists passing behind you on the bridge noticed you throw the phone into the river, or if they even care. Will Haley let you see, Abby? Will you meet someone new? Do people still go on dates, or do they just meet online and one day decide to move in together? You realise maybe you aren't ready to find out just yet, and put the wedding ring back on. When you turn around, there are plenty of attractive young women out in the cold London morning, but none of them spare you a glance. You shove your hands in your pockets and head for the office. Selling insurance over the phone isn't glamorous, but it pays the bills, and being able to talk to Danny about stuff he likes, like Star Wars and board games, passes the time. Nobody else in the office ever seems to bother with you both, But you tell Danny that's okay. Let them have their football and all that shit. The receptionist at the front desk is too busy looking at her mobile phone to acknowledge you as you enter. But that's par for the course. None of the other salespeople say anything as you pass their cubicles on the way to the kitchen area. 
but you never speak to them anyway. We're just there to make money, not friends, Danny likes to say whenever you get together at his house for a movie night or a gaming session. You spot him by the coffee machine, surrounded by four of the young hip salesmen. Your stomach seems to drop as you imagine them asking who Danny shagged at the weekend or how many pints he had at the pub on Saturday night, knowing he doesn't drink. You all right, Danny? You call over, trying to peer over the shoulders of one of the heavily cologne shirts and ties. He doesn't seem to hear you because he's too busy laughing. He genuinely looks as though he's enjoying talking to them. But you overhear talk about one of the football matches at the weekend, and you're convinced he's putting on a show for the Neanderthals, that he must be feeling threatened. Hey, Danny! You shout, manoeuvring around the group, trying to find a gap to rescue your friend. You manage to catch his eye, and he sees you. But he turns his back to you, and starts talking about another football match. You can't lie to yourself. It stings. But it's so out of character. And you tell him so when he finally gets to his cubicle ten minutes later. Oh, I'm sorry, he mumbles as he turns on his monitor, keeping his eyes away from you. Oh, I didn't mean to be rude, it's just... You wait for an explanation, but he trails off. It's just what? Suddenly you're too cool to talk to me? No, it's not that, he replies. At this moment, he does look into your eyes with an expression a sad puppy would be envious of before noticing the guy on the other side of him glancing his way. He whispers, again turning to the monitor. It's just that Dr. Sharma says we shouldn't be talking anymore. You're speechless. It's the weirdest excuse you've ever heard and not one you were expecting. When you finally come around, you notice he's no longer in his cubicle, but is heading for the restrooms. You close the gap in a few quick strides, nobody paying you any attention. Hold up, you pant, reaching out to him. First, Haley wants to break up, and now this? He shushes you as he looks around the bathroom, seemingly making sure it is empty before answering. Who's Haley? What, what do you mean? You ask, flabbergasted. She's my wife! Surely I've mentioned her or Abby in the time we've hung out together or, or here. You suddenly can't remember how long you've worked at the office. You suddenly can't remember anything. Oh, I seriously doubt you're married, mate, he says, scoffing as he tries to enter one of the stalls. But you refuse to let go of his arm. Oh, let go, man. You can remember sitting in a flat watching a Star Wars movie on Blu-ray. You can remember talking to him in Klingon in the office while other salespeople looked on, bemused. It was hilarious. You both laughed. You can remember watching as he played Elder Scrolls on his PlayStation. But you can't seem to remember any of the stuff in between. Let go, man. Is this a joke? You ask, pushing him up against the sink hard. Are you and Haley playing some kind of practical joke on me? Because it isn't funny. You push him again and again. He turns his bloody face to you and says in Haley's squeaky voice, Let me go. You recoil in shock and blink and find yourself standing at the kitchen sink at home. Your wife trying to free her hand from your grasp. The rain splattering the outside of the window on a grey afternoon. You wonder how you got here from the office. 
what happened to Danny, and how so much time seemed to pass in the blink of an eye. But her voice brings you back to the here and now. You had to know this was coming. Despite the tears, she appears to be more wary than upset. You must have felt the distance growing between us. I can't just stumble on like this for another 40 or 50 years. I'm still young. I can still be happy. I thought we were happy, you snap. What about all the fun we've had over the years? What about Abby? At the mention of your daughter's name, her face turns bright red and her hands cover her ears. Don't mention that name. Hey, I've got rights. You take a step toward her, not to threaten, but to make a stand. I'm her father. Her expression turns to one of hurt and confusion. What? What the hell are you talking about? You realise, with the argument having grown louder, Abby's bound to be sitting in her bedroom, scared and confused. You go to make sure she is okay, to at least remind her that she is still loved. Will always be loved. When you push open the door, all you find is a sparsely furnished office, a desk with a blank monitor and a closed laptop. A couple of bland pieces of art hanging on the peeling plaster. A treadmill covered in dust and a hamper holding Haley's clothes. None of your clothes. And no kid's clothes in sight. Nor any sign that a kid inhabits the room. You search your wallet for her baby photos or the one you took during her first day at primary school. Nothing. The wallet is empty. A prop. You sag to your knees as Haley appears in the doorway behind you, not sure what to make of the spectacle. Are all of the memories figments of a broken imagination? I think I need to talk to Dr. Sharma, she says. That name again. Danny mentioned this doctor, and now Haley. It can't be a coincidence. You need answers, but you also need to get out of this flat. Haley stumbles away from you as you storm from the room. Where are you going? Not that you care, but I'll probably head round to Danny's. You pause at the front door, your hand held out. The metal band of the wedding ring is a blur, a shadow through the tears. I need to make sure he's okay. Who's Danny? Danny, from work? I I've mentioned him loads of times. I think... I hurt him. You don't know anyone called Danny. And what work? You don't know what kind of game she's playing. And you sure as shit aren't in the mood for it now. But as you reach for the door handle, it turns on its own. And the door opens. And there stands Haley. What the fuck? You say, turning to find the flat gone and you were standing in a plain, sterile corridor with white walls and cheap beige carpeting. Is that Barry? An unfamiliar male voice calls from within. You can't see anything except for white walls and bright lights. Your wife bows her head and ushers you inside. You step into the room and find Danny sat on the bare floor with another man, one you've never seen before. 
You notice there are no furnishings, no doors other than the one through which you enter. No windows. As Haley closes the door and takes a seat cross-legged on the floor, you're torn between going to your friend from work and going to the woman you'd spent most of your life with, who had just been trying to tell you she wanted to break up. They both look at you, sadness in their expressions. The stranger speaks to the others. As we have been discussing, each of you know Barry from your lives, but in different capacities. Danny, you have been telling your friends and family all about your friend Barry from work, and Haley has been telling her parents that she has been living with a man named Barry. You don't know who he is, but you don't enjoy the way he is talking about you, as though you aren't standing before him. Now look here, eh? You begin, leaning closer and reading the badge on the lanyard around his neck, your eyes growing large. Dr. Sharma, I don't think I appreciate the way you're talking. Is he speaking to you both just now? Sharma interrupts. He doesn't seem to like you, mutters Danny. Haley nods in agreement. Well, that is understandable, replies Sharma seeing as why we are here today. And why are we here, Doc? You ask, refusing to be ignored any longer. What is this? Some kind of intervention? We are here to say goodbye to our imaginary friend, Barry. You want to laugh. You want to shout. You want to cry. You can't do any of them. You have both been doing so much better lately thanks to the medication and these group therapy sessions, Sharma continues. He looks at each of them in turn. He doesn't look at you. Danny, you can now freely talk to your colleagues and have found some who enjoy going to the football with you. We don't even like football, you mumble. And Haley. Sharma turns his warm gaze to your wife, but that no longer seems to sound correct. You glance at the ring finger of your left hand. There's a slight indentation, but no ring. You've reconnected with your family. You no longer have to lie about having a husband or having lost a child. You feel any air you had in your lungs, real or imagined, whoosh out of your mouth as you sit down heavily on the floor. It's okay, Danny says, placing a comforting hand on top of Haley's. She doesn't pull away. We're all human. We all make mistakes, and we've taken responsibility for them, right? He looks to Sharma for approval, and the doctor nods, smiling. Exactly, Danny. You each found yourselves in a dark place, and you each created this persona, this Barry, to help you cope with your personal crises, and together you have worked to overcome your obstacles to the point where you no longer need to rely on Barry. Hold up. You don't like where this is going. The doctor stands, walks over to where Danny is now comforting Haley with an arm around her shoulders. He helps them to their feet and stands back, allowing them to share a hug. Wait. Your pleas fall on deaf ears. The doctor leads the others toward the door. As discussed, 
we are going to continue our lives without the need to rely on Barry, and in order to do that, we will leave him here. It is time for us to move on with our lives in a healthy way, with our family and friends. You raise a finger like a child in class requesting permission to speak, to state your defence before the punishment is handed down. But they are already through the doorway, and the door is closing. Wait. The door closes. Firmly. But it does not lock. You crawl to the door, reach for it, to follow them, to convince them that you are indeed real. But a sudden fear stills your body. What if you open that door? There is nothing on the other side. What if you go through and you can't get back to your house, to Haley? What if you try to open that door? only to find you can't even grip the handle. What if you do nothing but fade away? What if he's right? You wait alone, in a quiet room, and listen desperately for the sound of your own pulse, or your own breath. You wait, and wait, and wait. hope you enjoyed today's episode of the other stories loved and lost or never at all was written by thomas joyce narrated by josh curran edited by carl hughes with music by dark fantasy studio and tom robson the sound effect provided by zapsplat.com the episode illustration was provided by luke spooner of carry on house a quick thanks to our community managers joshua boucher and jasmine arch and to joshua boucher and carolyn o'brien for helping with our submission reading and to ben errington the guardian of joy Thomas Joyce is a podcast junkie who lives in his hometown near Glasgow, Scotland, with his wife and daughter. His fiction has been published in the anthologies Lost Films and Daughter of Sarpedon, and his short story Something in the Water will soon be appearing online at roosterrepublicpress.com. You can find him on Twitter at, at ThomasWJoyce1. He hopes you have a lovely, pleasant day, and he also hopes Luke will sign off by saying, That's all folks like Porky Pig. Never, never going to happen. Josh Curran is a narrator and writer. He's narrated many episodes of The Other Stories over the show's lifetime. He's also the creator of the horror audio drama podcast, Miscreation. You can follow him on Twitter at, at @jcurranwriter. The Other Stories is a production of the Story Studio Hawk and Cleaver and is brought to you with a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives license. That means don't change it, don't sell it, but by all means share the hell out of it. Until next time. 